I'd like to read a passage that really strikes at the heart of what we're talking about today. This comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for filling this space. I pray that it would be filled even more with your presence. As we open up our hearts, please fill that too. And would you fill these thoughts and these words so that we would hear from you today. Father, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can sit down. Welcome. I'm really glad that you are here. Um, we are in the middle of a series that is all about cultivating emotionally healthy relationships. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about diving deeper into our own emotions that we have inside of us. Last week, we talked about looking back at our past and the things that shaped us, especially our emotions. And a few days ago, I was at Zoe's Cafe, and I ran into a friend of mine. We were catching up with each other, and she said, what are you up to today? I said, oh, I'm working on a sermon, uh, tonight's sermon. And she said, oh, great, what's it going to be on? And I said, vulnerability. And she said, "Eh." Like, just like that, she made that face. It made that noise. I talked to probably five or six people and told them what I was speaking on today, and none of them had a positive reaction. And, and I get that. I understand that. Um, when it comes to vulnerability, we kind of have this natural aversion to it. It's not a topic that we really like to approach. And we have not been given a very positive perception of what vulnerability is uh, like, look at some of the official definitions of vulnerability. This first one comes from the Oxford Dictionary. Vulnerability is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Yay! Um, Wikipedia. Vulnerability is the inability to withstand the effects of a hostile environment. Who's ready to talk about vulnerability today? Um, I went to a Halloween party with my family uh, last Halloween. You want to talk about vulnerable, try wearing a bright green, skin-tight praying mantis costume to a party full of people you don't know very well. That felt vulnerable. Um, and at this party, I was talking to someone there that I hadn't met before. It turns out he goes here. He's, he's a part of our family here at Christ Community. And so I was getting to know him a little bit, and I was asking him questions. I asked what he did for a living, and he told me about his primary job, but then he told me about his other job. He said, yeah, I help train uh, police dogs. I said, oh, that's really fascinating. How do you do that? And he said, well, I'm the guy who wears that padded bodysuit, and they uh, send the police dogs to chase me down and attack me. So wow, it's like, does that hurt with the suit? And he's like, oh, yeah, they bite down real hard. You get bruises and stuff on your arms. He, he was dressed as a dog, by the way. Um, <laughs> loves his job. That's awesome. Um, 
But this man willingly steps in a pen to be chased down and attacked by dogs. And that might be a pretty good picture of how we view vulnerability. I know, how about I just stand out here in the open and get chased down and attacked? That sounds like a healthy thing to do for my relationships. Uh, I think we have been given a pretty poor perception and definition of what vulnerability is. I mean, those definitions that we read are awful. And I didn't like them, so I made my own. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but I did. Uh, so here is how I would like us to define vulnerability today. Vulnerability is the courage to take the risk of being seen and known. It's the courage to take the risk of being seen and being known. And here's why vulnerability is so important. All of us as human beings, we are designed to need human connection with each other. And that connection happens when we feel seen and known by another person or we're able to see or know somebody else for who they are. But if we don't have the courage to risk being seen and known, if we don't have the courage to be vulnerable, that connection isn't going to happen. And without that type of human connection, we slowly deteriorate. Like, it has been scientifically proven that social isolation and severe loneliness are directly linked to a lower mortality rate. Uh, social isolation and severe loneliness, it causes our brain to function differently. It can lead to dementia and depression. It can lead to heart disease and strokes. It causes our white blood cell count to go down, like literally. So essentially, without human connection, our body accelerates the dying process. And if you want to go really down the rabbit hole, psychologically speaking, look up testimonials from people who spent time in solitary confinement. One man described it as feeling like his spirit was being shaken from his soul. We were not created to be isolated individuals. We were created for community. We were created to be dependent on each other and interdependent with each other. Human connection, it's not a luxury. It is a need. We need it like we need air. Without it, parts of us suffocate. And the thing that allows us to connect with each other is being seen and known by each other, but vulnerability is this thing that we have this natural aversion to, and if we're not being vulnerable, if we don't have the courage to risk being seen and known, that connection is not happening. Uh, my wife and I, we have a golden retriever, and her name is Potato. And Potato's favorite thing in the whole world is to play catch with her tennis ball, which is very frustrating um, because she won't drop the ball. Uh, and she'll stare at me with the ball in her mouth, <clears throat> and, and I'll say, drop it, and she won't drop it. And she's wagging her tail, and she wants to play catch. And I say, drop it, and she won't drop it. And if I, if I reach for it, she'll dodge her head so I can't grab onto it. And if I'm really quick and I grab onto it, she just bites down even harder so I can't get it out of her mouth. And I let go and she growls at me saying, play catch with me. And I say, I can't play catch with you. You won't drop the ball. And as human beings, we were designed to play catch with each other, but we won't drop the ball. We're too scared to drop the ball, whether it's fear that someone might take it and not give it back or throw it over the fence where we can't get it. Um, we, we won't drop it, so we can't 
play catch with each other. And, and that's a problem. Without that courage of being, being vulnerable, being vulnerable, it doesn't happen. So like to practically speaking, being vulnerable with each other, it's essentially, to put it another way, it's showing other people the parts of our, our heart and our soul and, and our story that people can't see just spending time around us. We have to be the ones to pull it out and show it to another person. So being vulnerable could look like sharing your feelings with someone. What made you sad? What brought you joy? What is something that made you feel? Uh, it could be sharing your dreams with someone. I want to move to Peru. I want to be an artist. Uh, I want to get married someday. It could be sharing your fears, rejection, failure, missing out, cats. And it could be cats. Um, it, it could be sharing your pain, uh, trauma you've experienced, tragedy, um, hopelessness. It could be sharing your past, like we talked about last weekend. What, what shaped you? What formed you? What was your family like? What was your childhood like, for better or for worse? It could be sharing mistakes you've made. How have you let yourself down? How have you let other people down? How have you failed? Uh, it could be sharing your passions. What makes your heart come alive? What in life just makes sense to you? What, what makes you most feel like you? Vulnerability is the courage to bring these things out of hiding so that you can be seen and known by someone else so that connection can happen. But here's the catch with vulnerability. It's, it's a risk. It's always a risk. Um, there's always that possibility that if we share something with someone, they could respond negatively. Um, kind of worst case scenario when it comes to vulnerability is if you share something, you're, you're open and, you, and you're seen and known and someone rejects you. That hurts. That's no small thing. And to make the, the stakes even higher, the people we are most likely to be vulnerable with, the people we desire to be vulnerable with the most, are the ones that we are closest to. It's the people in our lives that we depend on the most, that we love the most. So to risk being rejected by those people, that's, that's some pretty high stakes. And that's what keeps us from being vulnerable because we're afraid of losing connection with these people. But here's kind of the paradox of vulnerability. Because we are afraid of losing connection with someone, we aren't vulnerable with them, but vulnerability is the very thing that would allow us to become connected to that person. So it is our fear of becoming disconnected in that relationship that causes us to avoid the very thing that would allow us to become connected in that relationship. We are designed to play catch, but we're too scared to drop the ball. And if we don't drop the ball, we can't play catch. That's why vulnerability is the courage to risk being seen and known, because it's not easy, and I'm not going to try to minimize it today. It takes courage to risk being seen and known. So here's my hope for today. My hope is, is that if we, we look at a few things together, if we talk about a few things together, um, we will all come away with a little bit more courage to risk being seen and known. I, I want us to look at how God responds to vulnerability, uh, how other people respond to vulnerability, and why that last one doesn't mean as much as we think it does. And hopefully we'll walk away with a bit more courage. So how does God respond to vulnerability when we're vulnerable with him? 
Well, the Bible is chock full of examples of this. From the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ate that piece of fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to, uh, they went into hiding. They were ashamed. They realized they did something wrong. And so God was kind of walking around the garden, calling them out. He knew where they were. He just he wasn't going to drag them out of the bushes. That's not who God is. And eventually, Adam and Eve, they built up the courage to come out of hiding. This was a very vulnerable thing that they did, especially how they were feeling in that moment. And they end up having a really difficult conversation with God. But by the end of it, God responds to their vulnerability with this. Genesis chapter 3, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. In the Bible, King David, he is incredibly honest with God about how he's feeling. The, the Psalms are very, very honest. He, he says things to God that you would think would not be okay to say to God, but he's just very vulnerable with these things that he's feeling. Uh, a lot of his Psalms start like this. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? But something happens where it appears to be that God responds to David in some tangible way where he ends those same psalms sounding like this. This is the end of Psalm 13. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. When Jesus was here on earth spending time in, in human form, uh, people would come to him with their diseases and, and their ailments and, and their disabilities. And instead of recoiling in disgust, he moved towards them and he knelt down and he touched them and he healed them and he offered them something that they weren't even asking for, forgiveness. To make it really clear, Jesus, he told this story about a prodigal son who wasted his inheritance and came back to his father who'd basically insulted and betrayed and his father accepted him with open arms and threw a party because his son had returned. There was this uh, father of a boy who was possessed by a demon, and, and this caused him to have these really violent seizures. It would throw him into fireplaces and into walls, and, and he brought his boy in his arms, seizing to Jesus, and he held out his boy, and he, he said, Jesus, is there anything that you can do for my boy? And Jesus said, is there anything I can do? Of course I can, if you believe. And the man said, I want to believe, but if I'm being really honest with you, I'm not sure I fully do. He was really vulnerable in that moment, and Jesus healed his son anyway. Jesus, uh, on the night before he was killed, he knew what was about to happen, and he was in a garden. He was praying to God, and he's essentially telling God that he didn't want to go through with it. But he would if that's what God wanted him to do. But if he was being honest, he didn't want to do it. And God responded to Jesus in that moment like this. Luke chapter 22. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. So when it comes to vulnerability, kind of the big thing that we fear, worst case scenario, is that we're rejected after being vulnerable. But the last thing I see God doing in response to vulnerability is rejecting anybody. In fact, he moves closer to them. He, he offers them love in exchange for that vulnerability. And that makes sense to me because the more time I've spent thinking about this, the more I've come to believe that the very nature of God's love is vulnerability. Like, for example, 
He loved us first. First John says that we love because he first loved us. When I think of the prodigal son story, I, I think of that moment where the son returns home to his father. Um, he's broke, he's ashamed, he's, he's messed up, and he comes to his father, and his father embraces him and forgives him. And I think, wow, what an incredible moment of love this was. <clears throat> but what I forget is that the father always loved his son. Like the son was born into his father's love. Otherwise, the father wouldn't have responded to his son in that moment when he came back home. God does not start loving us when we start loving him. God has always loved us. We only respond to his love with ours because he loved us first. We were born into that love. And the same is true of vulnerability. You want to talk about vulnerability, think about Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Think about that. The unseen, all-powerful God comes to earth in a seen form, in a weak form. He stoops down to our level in the most purely vulnerable act we could ever imagine so that he could be heard and touched and seen and known. The very nature of the gospel is vulnerability the very nature of God's love towards us is vulnerability. So of course God would not respond to vulnerability with rejection, but with love, because that is the way that God loves us. Okay, I'm gonna need you to hold on to that because we're gonna come back to this in a little bit and it's gonna be important. But when it comes to vulnerability and our fears, we probably spend far uh, less time thinking about how God is going to respond to our vulnerability as we do worrying about how the other people in our lives are going to respond to our vulnerability. Like, yeah, God is gracious, but is your best friend. God is forgiving, but will your wife be? God is understanding, but is your boyfriend? God is compassionate, but is your boss compassionate? God is slow to anger, but are your parents slow to anger? And see, again, that's the thing. When it comes to vulnerability, the people that we would be most likely and open uh, to be vulnerable with are the ones that are most important in our lives, and that raises the stakes. We don't want to risk losing them. In the back of our minds is that worst-case scenario of if I share this with them, how are they going to respond? Is it possible that they could reject me? And that fear... Uh, I think it's led us to believe something that isn't true. I think that fear has given us this idea that if we were to be vulnerable, the most likely scenario is that someone will respond to us negatively. I mean, our natural reaction to even the topic of vulnerability is, ugh. And our assumption is that's how people will respond to us when we are vulnerable with them. But I don't think that's true. And... I think if we really looked around at some obvious examples, we would realize that that's not true. For me, maybe the most glaring piece of evidence is Jim Gaffigan. 
uh, Jim Gaffigan, he's this brilliant comedian. Like, he is so funny. But if you pay attention to his material, I think you'll realize what he does is he basically gets up on stage and starts being vulnerable with people. Like, he started a comedy special by getting up on stage and he said, thanks for coming out. This is what I look like. It's mostly my fault. Well, it's all my fault. And, and then he talked about this time where he ate a whole tub of ice cream and how he hates running and he thinks weddings are, are silly and, and too extravagant. And, and he's just vulnerable throughout his whole material, throughout his whole routine. And our fear is that if we were to be vulnerable, it would be met with mass rejection. But he has made $30 million being vulnerable with people. Like, people pay him to make him laugh. He is a really funny guy, but I really believe people are paying him at his shows to make them feel like that they aren't the only one. Because he gets up there and he says all the things that we all think and we all do, but we're not that open with each other about. But because he's saying the things that we think and do, we feel seen and known and connection happens, and that is a feeling that we are willing to pay money for. Our fear is that our vulnerability will be met with negativity. But in that context, his vulnerability is met with a room of people collectively saying to themselves, me too. And it manifests itself in laughter. I think we are surrounded by people just dying to say, me too, if just one person would have the courage to risk being seen and known so they could do that. But that doesn't happen very often because this fear, it perpetuates this cycle that goes like this. If you had something inside that you really wanted to share with someone, that you really wanted to connect with someone about, but you're not seeing anybody around you talking about this thing inside, you begin to make some assumptions. Uh, this, these people, they would judge me for it. They can't understand. They all have their lives together. I don't. They would think I'm too weird or, or too messed up to be around me, and so we keep it to ourselves. When right next to us could be someone who has the exact same things going on inside of them, and they're looking at all the people around them, including you, not talking about it, and they begin to make all the same assumptions about everyone around them, including you. And this mindset, it just spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads until nobody is talking about anything anymore. But in my experience, if just one person would have the courage to risk being seen and known, it can play out like this. Watch this.
Okay, so at the beginning of that clip, someone was already playing their saxophone, and that took courage. Like, this was a very vulnerable thing to do. You stood up on a subway train, sharing with everyone what they had to offer, what they were good at, with no guarantee of how people were going to respond. But there just happened to be another person on the train, also with a saxophone, and he put it together and said, me too, and started to play. And when that happened, connection happened, and it was magic, and it, it, it ignited everyone on the train, and I bet most of you felt that too. We've given ourselves this belief that I'm the only one, when I think the reality is, is that we're surrounded by people just dying to say, me too, I have that dream too, I have that pain too, I have that past too, I have that passion too. I've made those mistakes too. They're just dying for someone to be open enough to say it first so that they can say it as well. So your fear is that people will meet vulnerability with negativity, but I think if we look around, we'll see that it's met with openness and love. And here's why I think that is, and it's tied to that thing that I asked us to hold on to earlier. We were created by God, and God describes himself in scripture as love itself. And he has loved us with vulnerability. And when he created us, he created us in his image. And he gave us the capacity to love and receive love. So wouldn't it make sense that deep down inside every one of us, we are wired to respond to vulnerability with love just like our creator does? I think if we look around, we will see that to be true. But it's not as black and white like that. It's not that simple. Um, that's the way things should be, but that's not the way things always are. And some of you have experienced that firsthand. Um, probably a lot of us here have experienced someone that we really cared about responding to our vulnerability in a really negative way. Um, some of you may have even experienced that worst-case scenario of being rejected by that person that we really loved and really loved us. And that is no small wound. That takes time to heal, and it probably still is. So while it is really good for us to be vulnerable, it is essential. It's also really important for us to think very carefully about who we are vulnerable with and to what level of depth we're vulnerable with them. Like it would not be wise for us to recklessly put our heart in harm's way. So it's important for us to think about who are safe people and who are unsafe people to be vulnerable with. And these are some pretty clear indicators of what a safe person would be like to be vulnerable with. Safe people are empathetic. They can hear your emotions that you're expressing and they can understand it. Even if they haven't experienced the exact same thing you have, they have the capacity to understand it and have a conversation with you. Um, they're willing to take the time to listen but not just listen and sit there, but listen and respond. They're, they're wanting to move towards you with any needs that you have or, or support any dreams or positive things that are going on. Uh, people who are visibly imperfect are really safe. In other words, they are vulnerable themselves. They're willing to be known as not a perfect person so they can handle imperfect things. Another indicator is people who are willing to take the time to earn your trust. Um, trust takes time. 
and, and people who are willing to patiently wait for you to share what you need to share, those are really safe people. Now, some red flags of maybe some unsafe people are this, and I'm not trying to label these people as bad people. We're all growing in different ways. So I'll just say these might be people who aren't in a place quite yet to handle your vulnerability. But unsafe people would be judgmental people, uh, defensive people, uh, especially if you're sharing something that involves them. If they tend to be really defensive, that might not go well. People who gossip, the things you share with them might get shared with other people. Uh, people who demand your trust, they don't have the patience or they're not willing to take the time, but they're just taking a jackhammer to your heart wanting to get to the core of it. And people who are unforgiving, if you're being vulnerable about a mistake that you've made and they kind of have a one strike and you're out mentality, this would not be a very safe person to talk to. So a, a helpful tool to kind of think about who and to what degree we should be vulnerable with is this. If you were to imagine your heart and your soul as a house, a house has different rooms, has an entryway, living room, kitchen, bedroom, like you can go as far with that image as you want. There's all kinds of rooms to houses. But it's like this. If your heart and your soul were a house, there's probably a sizable group of people that you're willing to invite into the living room of your heart. You've got pictures of your family on the walls, your hobbies are out in the open, it's lighthearted, it's fun, you're just getting to know each other. But then out of that group of people, there's probably some that you would invite into the kitchen and stay for dinner, metaphorically speaking. And usually over meals, when we get to the deeper things, our, our dreams, our, our past, um, we get to really know what makes each other tick. We, we get to really know who the other person is. But out of that group, there's probably a select few, only a select few that you'd feel comfortable showing your room to, where they can see your mess and who you really are and uh, how you get up in the morning. And, and these are the most authentic, real, raw parts of who you are. And then there's a whole other category of people that maybe you're aware of that you know you should just talk with politely on the front porch, but you should never even let them into your house. Um, and there's some people where, like, it, the point of all this is that there's a progression to relationships. Like, depth, it, it takes time, and it, and it has this progression of, of gradually getting deeper. It would not be healthy to rush someone through the front door of your heart and bring them all the way up to show them your room. And in the same sense, if someone's trying to do that on their own, if they're propping up a ladder on the side of your heart's house to get in through your room's window, they are not a safe person to open up to. If someone is literally propping up a ladder on the side of your actual house to get into your room, they are also not safe people to open up to, in case you didn't know that. That's, that's a big red flag. Um, but the point of this is there's a progression, but if you're thinking about the house of your heart and you're realizing nobody's even in the house at all, that's a problem. Because we were designed to have connection like that. And without that human connection that we were designed for, it doesn't go well. We all need that connection. We're hardwired for it. But it's our fear of losing connection that keeps us from making connection through vulnerability. But we were created by God with the capacity to love. And I think if we look around and pay attention, we'll start to see that that instinct to respond to vulnerability with love is built into each and every one of us. 
And that's not always the case. There's always that risk that someone could respond poorly. So it's good to think wisely about who we're sharing things to and to what depth. But even then, there's always that risk. The most loving, caring person that we can think of, there's always that potential that on a bad day, they could respond really poorly to us. Or maybe we realize we didn't know them as well as we thought we did. Like, I will be the first to admit that I have responded poorly at least once to every person that I care most about when they have been vulnerable with me. I am sure that I have. I guarantee it. There's always that risk. But here's why I don't believe that it's as big of a deal as we really think it is. Again, that worst case scenario that we fear is rejection, but I think there's a deeper fear to that one that underlies it. Um, I think we've come to believe that our worthiness of love and connection to other people is directly determined by how other people respond to who we are. If we are seen and known and met with negatively, it causes our worth to go down. If people's view and opinion of us goes down, so does our worthiness of love and connection. And in that worst case scenario, if we were vulnerable with someone and and they were to reject us, that would mean we are totally unworthy of love and connection. And that thing that we need so deeply. So of course we would fear being vulnerable with other people. Of course we would hide these things from other people because if they're hidden, people can't see it and our worthiness is kept intact. That's what I think we've been led to believe. But here's the truth. If you were to have the courage to be vulnerable with someone, to be seen and known by someone, and in response to that, that person believed you to be less worthy of love and connection, they would simply be mistaken. Because the one who gets to determine who is worthy of love and connection and who is not is the creator of that person. And your creator has established that you and everybody else is worthy of love and connection. And he has made that abundantly clear through the fact that he just simply loves everybody. He makes that so clear in scripture. And he has made it clear that we are all, we are all worthy of connection because Jesus came down in the most vulnerable thing possible and offered connection to anybody who would want that with him. Your worthiness of love and connection is a gift that can't be taken away based on the opinions of other people. Your worthiness is established simply by the fact that God loves you. Let's look again at that passage that we read at the very, very beginning of all this. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. In other words, even though we're so messed up, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When we are vulnerable with other people, there is that risk that we might get hurt. But what is never at risk is our worthiness of love and connection. That is a gift that cannot be taken away. And if we really believe that our worthiness of love and connection with other people was ironclad, 
how much more courage would we have to be seen and known by other people? If we really believe that God's opinion of us counted so much more than anybody else's, how much more courage would we have to be vulnerable? And if we did that more often, how would our mental health change if we finally had people to talk to about what's going on inside of us? How would our loneliness be changed? And furthermore, how would loneliness be changed around us when the people around us started to realize that we were a safe person to be seen and known by and a community begins to form? Imagine what would happen if we were the first to pick up our instruments and play on a train full of people just dying to play theirs and say, me too. Imagine how quickly the stereotypes of the classic hateful, judgmental, fake Christian would break down if we were the first to courageously admit our flaws and mistakes and get back to sharing the gospel that is so full of love and vulnerability by loving other people vulnerably. Jesus said, people will know that you follow me when you love them like I have loved you. How will remembering how Jesus has loved us change the way that we love other people? He came to us first. He loved us first. He offered connection first. He was vulnerable first. What would happen if we did that? Human connection is a universal need. It is a language that we all speak. We are all aching for it. But our fear of losing it causes us to shy away from the very thing that could make that happen on a degree that I don't think we fully understand. But our God has created us with the capacity to love. He's created us in his image, and he has loved us vulnerably. And I think if we look around, we'll see that that is hardwired into each and every one of us too. It doesn't always work out like that. There's always that risk that someone could hurt us, even the person we would expect that the least from. But what is never risk is our worthiness of love and connection. And the more that we understand that, the more courage that we will have to be seen and known by other people and experience that connection that we are longing for. Furthermore, the more we understand that, the more connection we will be able to offer to the people around us who are just dying for it. That kind of vulnerable love has the power to point people to Jesus who set the example of what love is by coming to us first and loving us first and being vulnerable with us first. And he gave us a beautiful picture in, the, in this thing to participate in together that represents that, and that's communion. Jesus said, this is my body. This is my blood. I gave this for you. How much more vulnerable can you get? And we really try to honor that to the fullest extent in the ways that we participate in communion together. Um, we could have a table just set out with the bread and the cup for people to come up to and take from. But what Jesus did, that was something that was given so that it could be received, not taken from. It doesn't work like that. And so we try to honor that in the way that we do this by inviting any of you to come and stand by these tables and experience the beautiful act of being able to give that to somebody and so that others can experience the act of receiving that instead of just taking it off of a table. 
And if that is something that you would like to do today because we're going to practice communion today, that would be awesome because we have not asked anybody ahead of time to do that. And there's a bunch of tables up here and there's a bunch of tables back there. And each table needs at least two people. And you don't have to say a word. All you have to do is just hand it out. That act of giving communicates volumes to people. So if that is something that you would like to help us with so people could receive this instead of take it, um, that would be really helpful. And if you want to do that, you can make your way to the tables right now. Um, While you're doing that, if you want to, I'd like the rest of us to take some time and process these things and pray about these things together. So let's pray unless you're making your way to these tables. So I just want to offer up a few questions for you to think about, but I don't want you to think about them on your own. I want you to invite the Spirit um, to be a part of that with you. Essentially, I'm just giving us an opportunity to process these things out with God instead of just on our own. So here's the first thing I'd like you to think about and offer God to give input into. Is there someone that God has placed in your life that you know you could be vulnerable with, that you could be seen and known by? Just take a moment and see if someone comes to mind. Another question is this, and and if you're stuck on one, just stay there. You don't have to keep up with me, but is there something that you've really been needing to share with someone that you could share with that person and experience that connection with? And if so, just take a moment right now and ask God for the courage to open up to that person. Last one, having talked about how God responds to our vulnerability, is there something you've been keeping to yourself that you need to open up to God about? Is there a part of you that you've just kind of been holding back, sharing with God that 
you know would be really healthy for you to do that. If you're there, just take this opportunity right now to just share that with him. Father, thank you for creating us and approaching us first. Thank you for loving us first. Jesus, thank you for stepping out in such a vulnerable way so that you could be heard and touched and seen and known. Thank you for doing that first. Father, thank you for being patient with us and gracious with us. Thank you for loving us in our mess and in our dreams and despite our past and our mistakes and caring for our feelings. And Father, for for anyone here who shared anything with you that they hadn't before, I pray that in experiencing communion tonight, they would experience your response to what they just shared with you. Father, we love you and we worship you now.